Can You Make It Pretty is proud to work with Gradcom, the podcast's 2023-24 sponsor. All right, so we're going to go ahead and get started. Welcome NCMPR members to a recording of the Can You Make It Pretty podcast live from the joint District 3 and District 5 conference in St. Charles, Missouri. I'm your guest host today, Jeff Julian, president of NCMPR, and I'm filling in for co-hosts Stephanie Reyna and Matt Radcliffe. I'm joined today, soon, when they get up here, by four President Emerita, Emeritai, Emerita, potato, potato, of NCMPR to talk about how we can continue to grow in our careers when we're celebrating those 10, 15, 20 year and beyond milestones in our roles. So as I call your name, please come join me, presidents. Jeff Ebbing, my immediate predecessor as president of NCMPR. Jeff is the director of marketing and communications at Southeastern Community College in Iowa. Next up, Lynn Whalen was president of NCMPR in 2019-2020. So yes, hers was the conference that got canceled because of COVID. And she's never forgotten it. Lynn is the chief communications officer at Lincoln Land Community College in Illinois. Next up, Heather McDorman was NCMPR's president in 2010-2011, and she's the 2019 National Communicator of the Year. Heather is the retired vice president for marketing and student life at St. Charles Community College in Missouri. Welcome, Heather. And no stranger to this audience, Alan Campbell was president of NCMPR in 2001-2002, which means he was traveling to attend fall conferences like this in October and November of 2001, right after 9-11. He was the co-winner of the National Patrizio Award in 2022 and is the retired Associate Director for Marketing and Public Relations at Eastern Iowa Community Colleges. Please welcome Alan. So welcome, ex-presidents, previous presidents, President Samaritan. It is an honor for me to share this stage with you all um, going through this uh, right now, and you've all gone through it previously. So I'm excited to talk to you about it and, and get your get your take and also inspire the folks in in this room. So someday they're all sitting up here um, and hopefully they're talking to someone else that's not me. Uh, but um, let's start with with Alan and, and Lynn, you know, mentioned in your bio, you know, Alan, that you had you were traveling right after 9-11. Um, and then Lynn, you were president as we were going through COVID. Um, and actually, I remember the very first podcast that we did um, was with you and Juan and uh, James Walters, who's the executive director of NCMPR. I think it was the three of you. We were talking about about how to respond to COVID. And that was in like March or April of 2020. So for for both of you, what what was it like to kind of preside over um, over a national organization when a when when a national crisis, and in the case of COVID, global crisis was happening. Alan, what was it like for you? Uh, absolute craziness. Uh, it was it was nuts. I, it really was. Uh, the 9-11, of course, happened on 9-11. And then the first district conference was our District 5 conference as it happened in Kansas City, Kansas. Uh, and it was a week and a half later. Yeah. And so it was just total turmoil. The hard part for us, I, especially, was that not only did that happen, the, the most of you weren't alive at that point in time, uh, but the the economy also collapsed with it. 
And so all of a sudden, all the colleges were not sending anybody to district conferences, to national conferences, whatever those things might be. And the way it works with the national conferences, you have to plan that out a year in advance. And so you're actually making bookings and you're paying money out and all those kinds of things. And our uh, conference was in Orlando that year. The previous conference in Denver had been a record number of people. And so we're thinking in Orlando, hey, you know, it's going to be a pretty good turnout too. Well, we were planning for, I don't know, like 350, maybe 400 people coming. And we knew right away that wasn't going to happen. We ended up with barely 200 that showed up. And so there was just a tremendous amount of negotiating that went on with the hotel, trying to cut some of those expenses. And it was really a hard time. And the one thing that came out of that that I'm really proud of is the board really came together and really worked hard and rolled up their sleeves and made it happen. And we did some things then, I won't go into all the details, but we did some things financially at that point that set NCMPR up, I think, even on a better footing for the years that came after that. That's great. Lynn, how about for you? Oh, yeah, let's, we can, yeah, let's give them a round of applause. Absolutely. It was just incredibly disappointing. You work a whole year to plan a conference and then it just didn't happen. And it was just, that was the time right before the conference. So we had to make some tough decisions. And at first it was, oh, we're not going to cancel. This is going to be fine. You know, we'll still have people come. And then just every day you could see that wasn't going to happen. Right. You know, you kind of remember where you were when you made that decision. I was out and Juan was on the phone, Debbie Halsey at the time. And we thought, are we going to be able to get out of the contract with the hotel? But then we went into the contract force majeure, learned all kinds of things uh, when you have to cancel something. So so then it was just a process of unraveling everything. Um, Yeah. So starting on a down note, sorry, the next year we did it remotely. So we had to learn how to do that. That was Juan's presidency. So Jeff and, and Heather kind of, you know, working from this kind of premise there's there's always a crisis right at our at our institutions in some way shape or form and you have to take messaging in a different direction right and think about the the two conferences we're talking about and it, it, there's all this messaging that goes with promoting something that's supposed to be joyful and fun and exciting and then you've got the backdrop of of a crisis that kind of changes everything so you know Jeff or Heather talk about in your careers how you've had to pivot messaging when there's a when when a crisis happens and and you know how do you i think there's a there's an art to that too in in deciding when to go back to to um your scheduled programming when you're dealing with a crisis so how how have you all done that over the years well i would say definitely in my case my presidency was on on the rebound from covid really to a large degree uh deborah my predecessor um she had the conference she hosted the conference in denver as president and then i followed up with her from that and so between the two of us, we were we were on the you know, um, Lynn was on the crash landing, and we were figuring out how to take the plane back off. And so really, we I was in a, in a situation where we're rebuilding. So how do we like you're saying how how do we do that? Was mostly just to sort of celebrate and embrace the opportunity for all of us to get back together. That was that was sort of how how we tried to uh, position what we were doing uh, to sort of pick up off that momentum after um, after Denver. And coincidentally in 2000 was denver in 2001 was orlando in 2019 or sorry but you know we came back in denver and orlando too i guess i didn't realize that the strange similarities there um maybe we should not 
put that comp, you know, that, that combination. <laughs> right. uh, let's Note put that the please. Let to have that. Yeah. So I would think that was the biggest thing for us is we we just try to position the conference and celebrate the fact that we all do get to come together with a couple of the years that folks maybe had come on because there's a lot of new folks now. Maybe they thought of NCNPR as this distant, unknown thing. They hadn't had a chance to come to a personal conference. We could really embrace that and bring new folks and let them know really what this organization is about. And, and the power is what we have right here in this room. And we could celebrate that. Heather, can you think about a time at your institution, not necessarily when you were in, in the NCNPR presidency, but just in general where you were dealing with a crisis and you had to make that shift in your in your messaging? Um, I'm not sure about messaging, but coincidentally tying in with NCNPR, I think we were in New Orleans at the time at my campus. We were going through a crisis. And I'll be honest, I was with SEC for 32 years and had very, very few uh, crises. So I was very, very lucky. I can't believe I, I got out fairly unscathed. But at the time we were in New Orleans, and I can't remember if it was summer or, or the actual conference, um, we had a student abducted from our campus. Oh, wow. um, and it ended up being kind of an internal, like a interfamily kind of abduction. But my president, who was relatively new at the time, I was at conference. I'm the chief you know, spokesperson and um, and one of his cabinet members. And he, we were on the phone constantly because he was freaking out right. and and not, you know, he just wanted all his cabinet members around the table right then, you know, you know, handling it. It was a police matter. It happened to be from our campus. So I was it was interesting having to deal with really mostly his emotions and his state of mind. Um, while I couldn't get back home just just like that. Right. Um, so I think one of the things I learned is just because you leave campus, things don't stop happening at home. Um, another, when I was actually president of NCMPR, the fall when we were doing your, your tour, my president was um, retiring, announcing his retirement. So when I'm going from conference to conference, I'm constantly on my laptop right. helping him build um, his statements sure. and, and and the plan, the whole, you know, transition plan. Um, so, and then when I was, pre you know, during the Philadelphia conference, when I was, you know, presiding over national conference, my father was in the, sadly, in the process of dying. So Debbie was constantly next to me. Can you still do this? Can you still right. do this? Can you still do this? So I guess my point is just know that, and I'm sure you all have experienced this, just because you're coming to conference, you know, district or national things still happen right. personally, professionally, yeah. otherwise. So you've got to be prepared. You've got to have that laptop ready. You've got to be able to kind of fit things in between and, and, and be ready to pivot. Like you say. Yeah, that's great. So the average amount of time a person stays in a job <clears throat> with the same employer in 2023 is about 4.1 years. Looking at the current job two of you are in Jeff and Lynn and how long the two of you who are retired were in your previous roles, Heather and Alan, that's a total of 103 years of experience and expertise sitting next to me. But it's also 103 commencements. It's 103 fall enrollment pushes, maybe 103 crises. How many rebrands and reorgs and web edits? So how do you stay excited and engaged in your role when things start to feel rote or repetitive? Start with Lynn. My numbers, I was just thinking about 35 forward magazines, just finished the 35th, and uh, 18 annual reports, 10 view books. So I think it's just you have to love your job. 
And that sounds trite, but I do. And I love the mission of what we do. And I love the students. So I would say if you don't love your job, then just, you know, look for opportunities, but be ready for opportunities. So I didn't get this job the first time I tried for it. I didn't even get an interview. So I looked at the person that did get it. I read about them in the paper and they had a master's degree. And I thought, yep. That's what I need to do. So I was in my 40s, but I went back and got my master's degree. And three years later, this job came up again and I got an interview and a job. So That's awesome. I would say just be ready for opportunities and be be aware of them. Yeah. Jeff, how do you stay excited and engage? Well, I don't even know if I should ask you this question. You're excited all the time. So uh, but how do you how do you stay engaged when things start to feel rote or repetitive? Well, if you've been around for a while, uh, again, like I have, what you do today is not the kind of job you did the first day you were hired. I started before social. I started our first Facebook page. I got our Instagram going. I was, I actually, I redesigned our first web page, which was done internally by the IT guys, manual, you know, coding. I got us into a CMS and all that other kind of stuff. And now here we are, we're working with, vendors to help build out a lot of our social uh, ad campaigns and all that. None of that stuff existed back then. So for me, really, it's been riding the wave of the technology and the where our, where our, our profession is gone. Um, I mean, we still do some radio, but I don't do it. Like $500 is my annual newspaper budget because we just don't do that. But that used to be you know flipped now. So I think part of that is just what we're doing now and how it's changing and trying to find how we can embrace the technology to do the job that we're able to do with the limited budgets that we have right. to be able to do that. Yeah. Heather, for you, how did you stay? Um, how'd you keep from uh, the, the rote or repetitiveness of, of kind of the cyclical nature of higher ed? Great question. Um, well, two things. And I think the obvious answer is NCMPR. <laughs> so yeah. coming to conference, um, coming to district conferences, coming to national conferences, both have, a unique value to them. So um, not only the breakout sessions, which, you know, you usually take two or three away from you that, okay, that, that will make a difference. But honestly, um, and I will preach this to my dying day, um, these people sitting here with me and the people, the networking uh, alliances and friends that I made, I could call on a moment's notice. Yes, they were friends and, and we could go out and have fun on Thursday nights or what have you. But mostly I could call and get three, three of them on the phone at the same time and say, I've got a problem. Right. What's the answer? Right. Um, or what, what have you experienced? So that literally has been like number, number one. So I would say NCMPR use, use that to your advantage. Please don't be afraid of, of making friends and, and building a network. It is the most powerful part of this organization. Second of all, I would say um, I had great teams. I mean, I had great teams and I wasn't afraid or I, over time, I didn't become afraid of some of that turnover that naturally happens because you get fresh ideas, you get new skill sets. Um, you all know Ben Munson. He worked with me for 18, 20 years. And he became a professional photographer during that time. He was, he was a writer and a designer and now is a, a photographer for the Cardinals. So just uh, supporting your team members with the tools that they need that feeds you. And so it's not rote. You're, you're, mm-hmm. you're getting new approaches to work and they're, they're hot on technology. And so we're bouncing off of that. So 
don't be afraid to, to, to keep your team engaged with, with new tools and, um, and listen to all the voices around the, around the table. Yeah. Alan, your thoughts on that? Did everybody took everything I was going to say? Yeah, they got, they got all the good stuff. <laughs> what else you got? <laughs> but yeah, truly, I would repeat what they, what was just been said. Uh, Heather with the NCMPR, people have asked, yeah, I've been retired for over two years now and I came back for this whole conference and, I came to the conference before I ever knew I was going to be doing this. So, uh, and people ask me why, well, it's because this is my family. And the great part about it is that I'm going to get emotional about this. I get to pick this family, <laughs> my own family. I'm going to pick this one. So, That's right. yeah. So I choose to come back to be with my family. And that really is the way NCNPR is. Uh, and then also the mission part. I never looked at it as a job. I just never looked at it as a job. For me, it was always, we were there to provide, to get, to help students get better lives. I always said that, you know, we're there. Yeah, we have valedictorians. We have those kinds of students that could afford maybe to go to other places. But for the most part, our mission is to help those people who might not otherwise be able to help themselves. And that's a pretty darn good mission. And that makes it more than a job. So, so that's my two cents. Yeah, love it. When I think of community college marketing, I think of Gradcom. As a full-service marketing agency specializing in community colleges, they have the experience and expertise colleges need to move the needle on awareness, applications, and enrollment. Whether it's research, design, web, or media, Gradcom does it all. But don't just take my word for it. Visit gradcom.com. That's G-R-A-D-C-O-M-M dot C-O-M. For case studies about the many NCMPR members who have used Gradcom to help them grow the number of students who enroll and succeed in college. So I want to spend some time talking about expertise, um, something you hear a lot about imposter syndrome. It's it's pretty much a you know a, a buzzword at this point. And you know, we hear some of our members talk about that, especially younger members and probably um, younger folks on, on on your teams have, have shared maybe concerns about having that. Last year, when we put out the call for presentations for the Orlando conference, we asked pre presenters to identify if their presentation was for beginners, intermediate, or advanced. A whole three people said advanced. And I know we have more experts in their fields than that. How do you grow the confidence in, in yourself or, or in your members of your team to say, I have expertise in this area? Let's yeah, Alan, go ahead. Uh, yeah, that's uh, not to tell war stories, but I remember my first NCMPR conference, and back then it was actually NCCR, and sitting out there and thinking, wow, these people know everything. <laughs> I don't know anything, and I'm never going to be there. And and then, yeah, look, you know, for some reason, they put me up on this stage today. Uh, <laughs> so it's, you know, if somehow you could jump start your life and, and see you know, 20 years from now, where you're at today, you know a whole lot more today than what you think you do. And I would encourage everybody to just put it out there. Just go do it. You're not going to get the experience unless you try. Right. So this is, a, especially at these district conferences, great place to go That's out right. there. Yeah. You're among friends. Nobody's going to criticize you. Get out there and do presentations and put them in because I want to know. I'm 35 years in the job and I'm still learning from people that started two years ago so so just do it is yeah not not to copy nike but just do it yeah <laughs> lynn for you how do you uh in, grow confidence in 
It's MPR. absolutely NCMPR because you go into that cabinet meeting and you're called upon and you can quote things you've heard here and experts and you're listened to. So imposter syndrome, absolutely. And I think more for women. But uh, I mean, knowing people knowing that you come to these conferences and learn things and that you've been on the board and put yourself out there to do that, that builds your confidence. Mm. So use MCMPR for that. Heather, what do you think? Um, I would just touch on the same things they said. I think um, kind of what Alan was saying, put yourself in uncomfortable positions and you grow from that, right? So whether that's a breakout session or that's presenting to your board of trustees or uh, asking uh, to stand along your staff and learn a new skill set or, or do kind of a strange team building activity, put yourself in uncomfortable situations that you know you will grow from. Yeah. Jeff, I'm going to shift here. Um, when you're at the top of your game, well, that implies you're at the top of your game, but when you are at the top of your game, how do you keep growing? There's always something new to learn. And that's that's kind of what I had mentioned earlier with as far as what, where my job was then versus where my job is now. You just find you I, I gravitate over over the course of my my career from I really wanted to go from doer to thinker from from executor to planner. And it took a while to get comfortable to be able to do the doings before I even get to the point where I could do the planning. And so that's where I've been really trying to push my career and the work that I do at my college has just been, okay, I got to get out of the weeds. I have to stand up above everything else. I got to look farther out. I stick my nose in when the president had projects going on. Marketing needs to have a say. I would see they would go through these big, massive projects. They would do these buildings. They would do these programs. And I'm sitting on the on the sidelines thinking, why aren't they thinking about this? Why aren't they thinking about that? Where are they coming up with the numbers for these projections for where they're how they're going to get the enrollment? How are we going to market these kinds of things? And I would I would I would I would feel the pains after they had made those decisions. And I got I I cannot do this anymore. I'm not doing my job at serving my president unless I go and say those things to my boss. I didn't expect that he would listen to me, but I had to at least have that voice and get those comments into the conversation so they could make that decision better. Let's stay on that topic because I, I would guess, I, I don't know for the folks in the room, how many of you directly report to a president or feel like you have a say at, at the at the table. So if, if for folks that don't have that say at the table, uh, Heather, how, how would you advise them that, to, to try to get that, try to get closer to the to the president? Well, work through your work through your structure because that's their expectation. Right. So right. you don't want to do anything that's going to kind of jolt them into who are you kind of thing. So work through your team um, and through your representative on the cabinet is is the, the easy answer to that. But <clears throat> they have to be listened to as well. So that's kind of the the trick. So right. and they have to listen to you all. So um, you have to be that great uh, middle person um, and spokesperson and advocate for for your team. And sometimes that's easy and sometimes that's tough. It just kind of depends on your leadership and kind of where they where they are and, uh, you know, what their feeling is about marketing. So, in, you know, the best thing you can do is always keep marketing at the forefront of their mind or or, or alongside that so so that they're hearing you uh, pretty consistently. So I'm, I'm not sure there's a, a easy trick. Right. To it. It's just it kind of depends on your leadership. And I've had different kinds of leadership. Um, that value marketing in a different way. I've, I've had a president 
who feels like they know marketing just as well or better than the people on what? the team. That's never happened. I know, right? And then I've had I, I've had a couple of presidents who totally respected us and you go do your thing. Yeah. Never, never question us. So just depends. It seems like this kind of dovetails too with the idea that while we're really good at communicating and marketing the institution, we're not always so good at telling our own stories as as marketers or or as a marketing team. Alan, what how, how did you do that through your career? How did you make sure that the story of your marketing team was told to the to the institutional leaders? Actually, some of my groups in the back there, and they're probably laughing at me because they know I was the world's worst at this. So I'm, I'm the one. Uh, it, it's my nature to, uh, I think, see the Baptist uh, upbringing to to be modest and not be out there. So it's always it's pretty hard for me to to do that. But as the years went on, we started doing more and more of that uh, with the medallion awards, for instance. We would we would send that out to everybody in the campuses to know that we won these things. We started. We realized. I realized at a certain point that. It wasn't about me anymore. It was about the department and about the people in it. And so we had to start doing those kinds of things. And it was not comfortable for me, frankly, to do that. But we just, yeah, we started getting the message out internally, especially. Uh, we presented at staff development days, I don't know how many days, in, how many years in a row, yeah. uh, marketing kinds of things. And I, I do think that was a good thing to do uh, because you start getting people involved and into it. I remember one year we actually... Uh, made kits up for everybody who was staff and employees to become a part, become marketers for us. And so they had bumper stickers in there. They had the talking points, just all those kinds of things. And so we just, yeah, we just started putting ourselves out there. Yeah. Lynn, who's your favorite expert to turn to when you're feeling stuck or need some inspiration? It would be my NCNPR friends. Absolutely. Heather, Andrea, Jeff. I got to get your numbers. Yes. I just gave you my card. So, okay, you did. Definitely. Um, that is who you go to because they're not only experts, but they're friends and they have a different perspective, but you have the same, yeah. they're in the same business, but they can look at it objectively. Sometimes we get emotional when we don't, you know, things don't go our way, like when your department gets reorganized and uh, that just happened. So, uh, my first uh, text was to Dane in Texas, my good friend. He said, you're going to be fine. I've been through it. Let's talk. So, yeah. yeah. What can about, I, can I just, Alan? Yeah. if anybody wants any of our cards or, or our contact information after this is over with, get a hold of us because Lynn's very serious about that. We're all open. Everybody's open to anytime you just, if you just want to complain, <laughs> give us a call, send us an email, do that. So feel free to do that sort of thing. Lynn, any outside NCMPR, uh, experts outside of NCMPR that you rely on for, you know, to challenge your way of thinking or? Uh, well, I'm a big podcast fan. So I've got a podcast I listen to. It's from Canada about marketing. And I uh, have, we tried to get him for the conference, but, but didn't. But just learning all the time, reading, reading. Chronicle of Higher Education, CC Daily, just that's how I try to. What's the name of the podcast that you listen to? You're going to ask me. <laughs> it's called Under the Influence. Under the Influence. All right. Very nice. I like very heavy on advertising, but marketing too. I really like it. Jeff, what about you? Favorite experts to turn to when you're feeling stuck or Seth need to break? Seth Godin. Seth Godin. 
He's amazing. Um, thought leader, marketer, motivating person, tech guy, uh, just a phenomenal. I, I, I run most mornings. If you guys follow my Instagram, you know my dog probably more than you know because <laughs> we run all the time. And uh, I'm a podcast guy in the morning when I run. So Pure and Simple is on my list and Seth Godin. Every Wednesday, he has his his podcast akimbo that comes out and it is phenomenal um great stuff uh i i can't recommend him enough i bought a lot of his books purple cow all different things that he's done over the past with marketing and communications and 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 messaging he's he challenges me i i've learned about okay again it's not just more it's just marketing things it's it's you you can't you can't do your job unless you get it out there in the world so that was also you talk about imposter syndrome and putting yourself digging yourself a hole he's he's phenomenal Heather, since retirement, looking back at your time and your marketing roles, is there anything you wish you would have done differently? That's powerful. <laughs> That's scary. Um, I wish I would have learned er earlier, like you referenced before, about uh, kind of building up the marketing team in the eyes of the campus. I think uh, we started to do some of the same things that Alan was talking about later, you know, as my waning years were going and and the team and Ben had kind of taken over the team. So I think uh, kind of getting us out on campus a little earlier. Gosh, that's so hard. I, I was with NCMPR since the beginning. So I would say if I if I hadn't started with NCMPR at the beginning, join right away and, and get your feet wet. But I, I think probably just having a voice, uh, speaking up, kind of like Jeff was talking about, there, there's a, there's a great way. There's a positive way. There's an effective way to do that. And the sooner you do that, the more impact you can make with leadership. So, you know, maybe really kind of, uh, trusting your own voice and trusting your gut a little earlier instead of just kind of letting time do that. Good advice. Alan, how about you? Not to uh, be trite, but, but there, the, the saying, uh, don't sweat small stuff it mm -hmm. really is true. Uh, I think that's one of the things I learned over time. My first 10 years when I was younger, yeah, I would, somebody would say something and I would be gone. I'd be off the handle somewhere and just be upset about it instantly. <laughs> yeah. And I just, I learned, it took me a while, but I finally learned over time that when somebody, when something happens, just step back for a second, you know, maybe even a day, whatever, and really think about it. Cause a lot of times it's not as big a deal as what you think. And most of the things that were big deals to me 25 years ago, I don't even remember what they are. <laughs> I mean, so so just take a breath and just relax. And I think my first few years would have been a lot easier if I had done that. And by the time I retired, I think I finally kind of sort of got there. Let's stay on that track because I do think, you know, marketing and communications, it's one of the one of the few jobs where everybody thinks that they can do your job better than you can, right? And there's all sorts of opinions and and a lot of kind of slights on the work that you do on a regular basis. And it can be hard to compartmentalize that and and to, to what you were saying, Alan, not take that personally and have that um, drive the, the rest of your day. So, you know, Lynn, talk about how how you've learned to compartmentalize or or, or cope with that with that. Have I? <laughs> right. Okay. I have a degree in English. I have a degree in communication. And sometimes they'll just be a little, well, you don't have a degree in marketing. So uh, you need a marketing person on your staff and things like that. And so how do you deal with that? I guess my way is I just uh, smile, go on and see later, but also think I have learned a lot about marketing through NCMPR, through 18 years of doing it, and eight years prior to that at a 
another college. So, you know, it's them. It's not me. That's good. Yeah. Heather, what about you? Well, I don't have a marketing degree either. I have a communications degree, you know, um, and I've heard more than one time and I'd love to see a show of hands. How many of you have heard? Well, I took a marketing class. I can't even begin. A lot of hands went up. Oh my gosh. Yeah, just (laughs) for the podcast crowd, hands went up. Um, So one thing I did is I got a master's degree to help. um, My boss didn't have it. She became vice president, but I said, you know what? Uh, There's no way moving forward that I'm going to move up or be respected if I, um, in this climate, in the climate of SEC, I'm not going to say your colleges, but that, um, that if I didn't have a master's, I wasn't going to probably move up. So that's one thing I did kind of mid-career. Um, but I think kind of going back to some of our other answers, we kind of tried to make uh, marketing, the value of marketing known uh, across campus, whether that was providing faculty with tools, going to their um, their faculty meetings and describing what we can do for them, um, just kind of making our expertise known across campus in different ways, sometimes kind of fun ways, but definitely with professional development opportunities right. uh, internally, but also going and making the rounds and visiting and showing our value and then putting out good work and w- winning awards and, and, and showing that we can do make a change for your program. Cause like face it, faculty were one of the hardest groups to convince of our expertise. So th- those are some of the things that we, we've yeah. done. Jeff, how about you? Well, everything we do is subjective. And so we have to get thin, thick skin. So I think part of just the, the act of going through the creative process and constructive criticism, uh, it's, it's one thing to be able to give it, but also you have to be willing to take it too. And so that's when I look at our job and someone comes in, they want to tell us how our, to do our job. I, I try to look at it from they come to us with good intentions for the organization, generally speaking. And so, okay, if we assume that they're coming to us that they want something positive to happen, you can find a way to start, a, instead of going against each other, start to turn that around so you you can channel that energy forward instead of just dr- have a zero sum and just punching like this. So I think I think that's helpful too. And and then just find a way to, to make the connection with that person. They come to you, they come to you with a problem that's probably, they come to you with a solution that they assume is really, but you have to work back to find the problem to their solution, which isn't the same, and then provide that to them. That's that's what our, our goal is. So work with them, expect, uh, um, take for granted that they're coming from a good place and then try to work to get to the real problem and address it from there. Very nice. So just shy of a quarter of the folks in this room are first-time conference attendees. Let's give them a round of applause. This. You know, being a first-time conference attendee doesn't always correlate to being new to the position, but there's often a tie-in there. So from all of you, what advice do you have for folks who are just starting out in this industry? Lynn, let's start with you. Well, you're here, and that's the first step. And just, I like to say, sit with someone you don't know. You may have come with some of your colleagues. Just sit down with some other people. And you are my Ren Lake friends. Are they here today? I sat down with them. I'd never met them. And uh, by the time we were done with dinner, I had a new idea for uh, community parades. They said they put their athletic teams in uniform in community parades. I thought, oh, my goodness, how many times have we been asked to be in a parade? Nobody wants to build a float. But we could put a baseball team and they could put a candy. So 
that's my advice is just meet new people, of course, listen to the presenters. But I would say I've learned more from colleagues at the table that I didn't know than presenters. That's the golden rule, right? Of coming to conference, copy and steal everything. Yeah. Uh, Heather, advice for this group. Well, of course, NCMPR, go, go, go. Um, But I would also say, Learn as many skill sets as you can. Don't don't pigeonhole yourself in one area of marketing. Don't be just a social media expert. Don't be just a writer, a designer, a manager. I would say you're most valuable when you know as much as you can just to be dangerous in each one of the areas. I would never consider myself an expert in any of the areas. I could not do the website. I could change pages and do some basic stuff that I needed to do. And I knew what a good website looked like, but um, know enough across many of the skill sets to kind of be dangerous. So you're also valuable uh, to your team, uh, but you have a sense of what the power of marketing Mm -hmm. can be for your institution. Mm -hmm. Alan, distill your career down to one piece of advice. (laughs) Uh, kind of referring back to what you'd said earlier, one of my early bosses had told me that the two worst jobs in the college are marketing and the custodians, because everybody knows what your, what they, what your job is and how you should do your job. And so it's the, this job can eat you alive if you let it. I mean, it it can. And you all know that you that have been around a while know that. So my advice would be to develop a work life balance that fits for you, whatever that happens to be, but you got to have it. You know, in my case, I was usually, I was the one that was usually one of the first ones in it in, in the morning and one of the last ones out at night. But when I left that night, I didn't take work home with me. Mm. I went home and I was home and I didn't think about work at all. And if that works for you, great. If it doesn't, fine. But figure out what that balance is because otherwise you're going to have some challenges. So, you know, I don't mean to be negative about it, but you really, that's, that's the best advice I can give is just have a life outside of this. Have fun because that's what life's about. That's good advice. Jeff, Ebbing, advice. I'm trying to be profound, but nothing's coming to my mind at 8.30 in the morning. <laughs> I, 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 would, I would echo what they're saying. Um, work-life balance is big. Uh, the, you know, know a little bit about everything. And I would say just follow. We, I think we also follow your instincts. So many times I second guess, was well, this really what I should be doing? And then I'll go find some piece of data to back it up. And damn it, I was right. And so be willing to, to lean into that because we are the marketing people at our college. We were paid and hired because someone believed in us to do that job. So embrace that and, and be that person because no one else in your, in your institution has your job. So don't necessarily let them take your job, lean into that and be that person. And I think once you, once you take that into heart, I think that will drive a lot of what you think is important for you to do and to learn and to move your organization. Be that voice. Do that job. Thank you, Jeff. I want to thank Jeff and Heather and Lynn and Alan for being a part of this live podcast of Can You Make It Pretty? I really appreciate you and your expertise. And thank you so much for spending your morning with us. Can You Make It Pretty is sponsored by Gradcom and presented by the National Council for Marketing and Public Relations, the country's premier group for PR, communications, and marketing pros at two-year community colleges. For membership information, visit ncmpr.org. Can You Make It Pretty is produced by Jacqueline Johanna Garver, 
that's me, the communication specialist for NCMPR, and mixed by Bill Aldridge at Third City Sound in Joliet, Illinois. If you like what you heard, we'd love it if you subscribed, downloaded, rated, and reviewed Can You Make It Pretty wherever you get your podcasts. And if you didn't, well, you can skip that part. <laughs>